this is one of those nights. There are so many <laughs> things to talk about. Bill and I could do a five-hour show tonight. Yeah. Bill, yes, I sir. can't wait to I, I can't wait to talk to you about uh, about Barry. Like honestly, I, yeah. that, that's one thing. I, I think if there's anybody out there that has more Barry Sanders stories than you, <laughs> please tell me who it is because I yeah. think people forget how long you were with the franchise and 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 what a special special player uh, Barry Sanders was uh, there's no doubt about that and his legend seems to grow nationally by the yeah. year it really does it, it seems we'll get into that we'll get into what happened at the end of the michigan michigan state game at just a disgrace it's a shame i don't care who you root for you, you you hate seeing stuff like that uh some unbelievable stuff in the nfl today bill will had an up close and personal view of one of them and is sadly a lot of high school football careers ended uh, this past Friday. Mm -hmm. Many more were extended as well, uh, but we'll definitely touch on that. Uh, where to start on a day like today, Bill Keenis? Before we get to any of that, though, let me just tell you, in about yeah. an hour, we have uh, WJR's presentation of War of the Worlds. I was fortunate wow. enough to take part of this a couple of years ago. I I'm mm -hmm. telling you, folks, this is not just lip service. It was a blast to be a part of, and it was even more fun to listen to it. We did it live, and then we had a special rebroadcast of it on, on a Halloween night. Bill, I kid you not, I went out in my truck, sat in the driveway, and listened to it. You know, and kind of, wow. all right, it's 1938. You <laughs> yeah. know, I, I kind of yeah. went down that road. So uh, we'll, wow. we'll definitely check in with that uh, next hour. Uh, just a fantastic thing. Uh, but, Bill... Uh, let, let's start with Barry. I, you know, I think some people might say uh, overdue, whatever the case may be. Uh, they are going to put an eight foot statue of the one and only Barry Sanders out mm -hmm. in front of Ford Field. Applause, applause, applause. Definitely deserved. Amen, Sean. And it's it's something I know the fans have wanted for decades, literally. You know, there there was a lot of talk about it at, at uh and when I was still with the Lions, um, and while it may have taken longer than a lot of us wanted, thank goodness it's getting done. And um, and I think it's ironic that it's what's getting the reaction is it's eight foot tall. Um, they should make it eight feet, five inches tall yes. because Barry was five feet, eight inches tall. Um, but the one thing about Barry is when people said, well, he's small. No, 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 no. Barry was never small. He was short, but he was never small. He was, uh, you know, thick, and he had legs that were like tree trunks. And uh, and to have, can you imagine, Sean, how many pictures are going to be taken with fans next to that statue? And yeah. um, and Barry, I you you made a point about his legend growing, or the affection toward him. Just it seems like it's multiplied and i think it goes back to his humility um you know how many times we see the photo or the video of him handing the official the ball after he scored he was the most humble superstar and i mean i told you the story about when he waited in line at the hard rock cafe in london if if you think i should tell it again it yes. to me that capsulizes his humility and why people love the guy. I mean, it was, it was the 93 preseason and we're playing a preseason game against the Cowboys in London. We're staying at the intercontinental hotel. We were over there for a week 
And this was actually the last of the original American Bowl series with preseason games. And it was also the last NFL game played in the old Wembley Stadium. So kind of historic on those fronts, for sure. Well, as we were preparing for the trip, it was it was made aware to us that the um, the London Hard Rock Cafe was on the next block, right around from the hotel. And back then, Sean, I'm not sure that it wasn't the only Hard Rock Cafe. And when you think of rock music, <laughs> you think of the UK and the Beatles and the Stones and so on and so forth. And that was the place if you if you had if people revealed their bucket list back then, I'll bet you visit the London Hard Rock was on all of them because it was the place to be. So knowing that our travel party would want to uh, take a visit and the players and staff would have you, we made an arrangement with the Hard Rock to have our group um, given immediate access admission admins. Um, Cause we knew the lines were going to be forever. So everybody in our group had a, uh, a pin, like a, a media pin that you're probably familiar with, but it was just a, a pin to signify you were part of the Alliance official party. And we were told, we told everyone wear it at all times, including the players, obviously not at practice, but whenever you're in public at the hotel, wherever, make sure you're wearing that pin because that identified you as a part of the party. The other benefit to wearing the pin was that if you had your pin on, you didn't have to wait in line for hours to get into the hard rock, okay? So you could just go right to the front of the line and uh, and get admission into the, into the venue. So I think it was the Friday before the game. We played the game on Sunday. And some of our beat writers, Killer, our, our dear friend Tom Kowalski and – Kurt Sylvester, Mike O'Hara, all those guys, they were going to the Hard Rock, okay? They had their pins on. They were part of our traveling party. So what did they do? They turned the corner from the hotel, and the line is forever, forever, <laughs> okay? It's it's as long as the eye can see. But they got their pin on, so they just start walking everybody, and they're probably strutting their stuff a little bit, singing some songs as they walk down the sidewalk. In the middle of the line, all by himself, is Barry Sanders. And they stop, and it's Barry! Hey, baby! They exchange greetings. Barry, not surprising, had his pin on. You know, he's doing what he's supposed to do. And so they quickly say, Barry, what are you waiting for? You don't have to wait in line. We got You got your pin on. Come on. Let's go. We could just head to the front of the line. We can get right in. And Barry looks at him and probably gives him a, hmm, okay. Uh, I'll just stay right here with everybody else. <laughs> so he called him out, right? He, I mean, their conscience was conflicted, right? I mean, he, uh, I'll stay here with, with all the common people. I mean, he didn't say that, but, you know, the message. And they look at each other and basically said, okay, we'll see you, Barry. Yeah. We're going to the front of the line. But think about that. Think about that. At that time in the early 90s, he was as big a superstar as there was. Yep. He was massive. But his humility, the way his parents raised him, his values, all that stuff combined to make him such a unique person, human being, and, and superstar. I mean, it's just remarkable. So he 
probably wait in line another hour, hour and a half. And I don't know that he even eventually made it in there. But uh, there's so many stories like that about Barry. And, you know, from a football standpoint, you know, the one thing I like to say is, and, and you saw him, Sean, and those that did and had the up front view that we did, he was the only player that could go in two different directions at the same time. <laughs> so not literally, but that's what the defenders saw. It's like they were seeing flashes of him going left and right and, you know, that, that grab for something in the middle and whiff. But uh, just remarkable. I mean, what a great player. And the beauty of YouTube and social media, digital media, the kids have such easy access yep. to his greatness today. I mean, once a week during the football season, somebody's posting Barry Sanders' greatest runs, Barry Sanders this, that, the other. Um, so the, the the football fans of this generation and future generations are definitely going to benefit from the accessibility of his highlights that uh, weren't, weren't always available when we were young. But uh, thank goodness that the statue's going up, and, and that's probably <laughs> – you know, in some ways, sadly, the highlight from today at yeah. uh, at Ford Field. No doubt about that. We will get into that. Bill, I certainly want to get your thoughts. Uh, you, you've been around football. You've seen a lot of things. Uh, a, a disgusting scene. I mean, the, the visuals that came from uh, the tunnel in Ann Arbor last night, I, I, they speak for themselves. And, and it, it's just gross. I mean, there's no other way to say that. You don't want to see that uh, anywhere. You just don't. I'd love to get your thoughts on that. So much to get into. Want to go talk some high school stuff as well. Our Broncos gave it a, quite the shot. They really did. Yes, they uh, did. Get some thoughts on that as well. Don't you yeah. go anywhere. It is Gridiron Wrap on a Sunday night. Don't forget War of the Worlds coming up at 8 o'clock. WJR's presentation of, of War of the Worlds coming up at 8 o'clock right here on 760 WJR. Bill, as you know, with this great game of football, uh, oftentimes you think you know exactly how a game is going to go. And I'm here to tell you, at least from my vantage point, 99 times out of 100, I'm wrong. Uh, last night in Ann Arbor was not one of those times. I, I thought that Michigan was going to grind Michigan State out. I thought that Michigan State was going to have to take some chances and connect on those chances uh, to stay in the game and perhaps pull that upset. Didn't happen. Uh, Michigan grinded them out and come away with a convincing victory uh, in that one. Before we get to the extracurricular activities, I, I think you were kind of on the same wavelength as I was. Yeah, That was one rare occasion where a game played out exactly the way I thought it would. Yeah, it really did. And we've talked so much about the rivalry uh, earlier this season and last season. And I still contend that uh, when it comes to Michigan, Michigan State, Michigan State wants to beat Michigan more than anyone. There's no question. Michigan, in my opinion, uh, Michigan State is the last team that Michigan wants to lose to. I think more so than even Ohio State. I could be wrong. That's just the impression this outsider who's been in the state for 30 years uh, has. But uh, I think the game did go as we expected it to. That was Michigan State's championship, Big Ten state of Michigan, whatever you want to call it. This was their chance to uh, to redeem themselves somewhat. And they played really well early. 
um, really well. They stayed with them. Not surprisingly, they did take that chance down by the goal line, and they got stuffed, and you're thinking, ah, take the points. But I think the reality was Coach Tucker knew that they can't score. They can't kick field goals when when they're in a position to score touchdowns. Sure. Because of Michigan, because of the team that Michigan is, and um, and it played out pretty much uh, the way we expected it. I, I know big deals may, being made out of well, they kicked five field goals and they didn't score touchdowns. You know what? When you're putting points on the board on almost every series, that's success. You're taking time off the clock. You're keeping the opposition, the the offense off the field, and you're keeping your defense fresh. Okay, Michigan, I think the game plan was ideal for Michigan. I really do. And I mean, I I know it's hard to compare from week to week, but we saw what Michigan did to Penn State, you know, in the, you know, the first half was a fluky. Penn State had two fluky plays that gave them two touchdowns. Um, But Michigan dominated that team. Okay, I watched the Penn State Ohio State game yesterday. The score was not indicative of how close that game was. So I'm thinking, man, Michigan is really even perhaps better than we thought they were. So we'll see. But, um, you know, that was that was Michigan State's, you know, sort of last chance to really redeem itself, as I said, for this season. They played hard. They played gutsy. But they're just not they're just not the team that Michigan is. You know, Bill, honest to goodness, uh, in, in full disclosure, folks, Bill and I did not have this conversation. And uh, resident Michigan fan Blake is uh, sitting in studio here tonight. I think he's cringing to hear you say what you just said. And and I tweeted <laughs> out last week. I've seen Ohio State a couple times. And, boy, when they yeah. turn it on, they can, they can just mm-hmm. – they can blow people mm-hmm. out, okay? The issue is if they have that lull against a team like mm-hmm. Michigan – that can control the mm-hmm. clock, that can that can grind it out mm-hmm. with those road graders up front. If they yep. dig themselves a hole, it's going to be just like last year. Didn't it seem like Ohio mm-hmm. State was just climbing uphill yeah. the entire game? And mm-hmm. I test right now, I, honestly, I'm not just saying this, and Blake is going to shake his fist at me for saying this. I think that Michigan's the best team in the conference right now. I, re- yeah. I really do. I think that Michigan's the best team in the conference right now. I agree. Sean, if anybody argues that, we have pretty objective evidence to prove otherwise. And the beauty of Michigan, and we talked about it a few weeks ago, right? When you have a running game and you have a dominant offensive and defensive line, but certainly a dominant offensive line, that travels. That travels because we're the – the home crowd where the, the, the horseshoe crowd could have an impact is when you need to pass the ball. Okay. That's where things get crazy, you know, with a home home field advantage. But if you can run the ball like Michigan has, and you have those dominant O and D lines, I agree with you. I, I think, I would not be a bit surprised if Michigan's favorite going into that game. Nope. It, obviously, a lot of football to be played before then. We in the media mm-hmm. have the luxury of looking ahead. I know none of those guys are looking ahead, but no. it's going to be really intriguing to see how that plays out. Uh, Bill, yeah. you've been around the game in, in a mm-hmm. myriad of ways uh, over the uh, long and illustrious career that you've had. Um, 
I don't care who you are. Uh, your heart has to sink a little bit when you see some of the, the images yeah. and the videos that came out mm-hmm. in the aftermath of Michigan's win last night. Right. I, I agree, Sean. And I am not exonerating anybody here. Okay. I don't know enough about the particulars. I just know what I know. I've been in that tunnel. Um, these are, these are young men that are more highly charged emotionally, physically than we can even imagine. And, and you have one team that just had its heart broken and ripped in two. Okay. And that in some respect, I'm going to say was the, not the end of their season, but it was their last chance for glory, so to mm-hmm. speak. Um, and you had another team that was dominant. Okay. I mean, when you put those two, it's like two weather fronts. It's like the perfect storm, right? You have a cold front coming and a warm front hum- coming. And when they smash, boom, you get lightning and thunder and all kind of crazy stuff. So I believe that after what happened at Penn, the Penn State game and after what happened, sadly, and again, not exonerating anybody. I mean, there are standards that every collegiate athlete must uphold for his or her university. But they have to, in my opinion, they have to make some physical changes. Um, they either have to make some physical changes or they have to be overly um, you know, sort of proactive about one team gets in and the door is shut and the other team gets in and the door is shut. I mean, Sean, Fort Field has one tunnel. It's a lot bigger at the entrance, but, you know, we, we thought of those realities. So we, you know, when we opened it, we made a very distinct um, separate walkway for the visiting team. Okay. But, you know, the, their security holding the Lions back. They want the visiting team to exit first. There's, there's protocol that can be established to prevent from that ever happening. And again, the emotion after a game like that is impossible to describe. It really is. And that's at any level, high school, college, the pros. That's why these athletes are what they are. They have a passion. They have a drive. They have an emotion. And um, what you what you don't want to do is create an opportunity or allow for an opportunity. Again, no exoneration here. It shouldn't happen. But I I'd be shocked. I'd be shocked if there weren't some extreme changes moving forward. Boy, Bill, I, I agree with you. Listen, uh, and I'll, I'll use the same term. There is no exoneration. Uh, those no. young men have to be responsible for their actions, mm-hmm. period. Period, mm-hmm. end of story. And, and it, at least the way that Michigan State is talking, it sounds like there will be repercussions from this. Mm-hmm. Um, but let's mm-hmm. do everything we can to make sure that these young men aren't in that position as well. Right. They have to be accountable for what they did. And there's absolutely yep. no excuse for what they did. But, uh, Bill, you know, I, I remember, don't ask me why you remember this, and I'm sure you'll remember this. You remember everything. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, during the 0-16 season, uh, a mm-hmm. game late in the year, uh, the mm-hmm. Minnesota Vikings beat the Lions late in the game. I think it was like the mm-hmm. week before Christmas or something like that. Yeah. And, and I remember the Vikings were kind of in a celebratory mood and, and the Lions were just devastated. And yeah. this is, 
they let everybody on the field and and I was mm-hmm. down on the field that particular day and everything. And I just remember, okay, one team went one way, one team yeah. went the other way. There were a couple yeah. of, you know, bro hugs and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But it was one of yeah. those things where you could the Lions were so devastated and I don't remember the exact particulars, but but Minnesota mm-hmm. won late. And, you know, it was one of those yeah. things where you could tell the Lion players were just decimated. They were sick of yeah. answering questions about 0-12 and 0-13 or 0-14, right. whatever the heck it was. And I remember being on the field at the end of the game going, boy, thank goodness these guys kind of have this planned out. I mean, there's a mm-hmm. reason in the mm-hmm. NFL, you know this better than anybody, you have a cooling period. You have a cool-off right. period. I mean, it, it just yeah. it's an emotional game. And you're mm-hmm. talking about young people. Mm-hmm. Let's try to keep them separated as much as we humanly can. Right. I mean, I don't want to suggest that college football is essentially like the NFL. But you brought up that Lions-Vikings game. And we talked about this in the past as well. What other profession do you have 17 opportunities to succeed? There isn't any. It's the NFL. You are preparing for Sunday. Okay. Um, You either win or you lose. That's it. It's the beauty of it. Right. So with that reality, the emotion is ramped up exponentially for every game. Yep. Okay. You have 17 opportunities. Imagine any other business. Imagine a Ford dealer in Dearborn (laughs) that is only open to sell cars 17 days a year. Think about how critical each of those days would be. It'd be off the charts. Imagine any profession. Okay. So that's what you've got in the NFL. In college, in a similar but different way, um, you can make the same analogy because these college kids, they're representing the whole university. They're representing their classmates, their teammates. They're walking on campus. They, you know, in last two years for Michigan State, hey, <laughs> you know, it couldn't have been better. And now, boom, you know, boom, the reality is. So there is emotion that doesn't give you an excuse. And knowing what I know about Coach Tucker, no one's more upset at that behavior than him. I believe that because he he's the type of coach that will not stand for that. Yep. So hopefully a combination of, you know, a, a focus. I mean, for it to happen, watch on in uh, twice in three weeks, four weeks, whatever it's been. Um, I don't think one time might be an aberration Two potentially uh, is, is, is not. Okay, so yeah. I, I hope some things are done for everybody's sake, everybody involved. Well stated. Uh, we got to go around the league, uh, talk about what happened in mm-hmm. the NFL, including the crazy game that you were a part of today. Uh, talk <laughs> some high school football as well. Don't forget War of the Worlds coming up at 8. I can see Mike Parsons milling around in the background as well. He and Rich Luzinski do a <laughs> great job putting this together. If you love yeah. that old-time radio, boy, Yes, you sir. are in for a treat tonight. Trust me when I say yeah. that. He's Bill Keenest. I'm Sean Belegian. This is Gridiron Rap on a Sunday night here on 760 WJR. I have a weird memory, Bill. You and I were just talking about this during the break. I, I remember a Monday night when I was a kid. 
uh, it was 1983 and it was Halloween. And I remember it was a rainy night and my buddies and I, of course, went trick or treating anyway, but we couldn't wait to get home to watch uh, Washington, yep. uh, that great Washington team. Green Bay. And, and, and was it Green Bay? I, I, well, I don't remember. It, it, tell but, me what you remember from that game. Um, was that the Lynn Dickey game? The, the well, Lynn, here's what 48, 47. It was the highest scoring game in NFL history. It was at Lambeau. Paul Kaufman, the tight end for the Packers, was incredible. Lynn Dickey, Theismann, Riggins, the fun bunch. It came down to a, a makeable Mark Mosley field goal of under 40 yards. And he missed it. He missed it. And that's how the Packers won. They, it was 48 47 or yeah, 40. Yeah. It was. yeah. Because Washington, that season, in the regular season, they were 14 and 2. They lost two games, the season opener to Dallas on a Monday night at RFK, 31 30, one point. And then at Lambeau, the game we're, we're talking about, uh, 48 47, one point. They lost two games by a total of two points. And then they get to the uh, Super Bowl and Oakland just throttled them. Or they were the L.A. Raiders, I think. Yeah, they were. They were. Yeah, but uh, the Raiders beat them. That was the Jack Squirek interception. Right before half. Yeah, Yeah, 12 seconds to go in the first half. I I still remember, Bill, everybody making a big deal because, you know, the the war between Pete Rozelle and Al Davis Yes, was was yes. hot and heavy, and yes, it everybody's was. like, "What's going to happen when mm-hmm. Mr. Roselle has to hand that yeah. trophy yeah. to Mr. Yeah. Davis?" I mean, I still yeah. remember that plain as day. So that, but yeah. it, it was funny because Bill, uh, you know, so many memories as kids for guys like you and I, and so many of our mm-hmm. listeners, you know, even for Halloween, it was like, "Okay, well, I got to get home to watch Monday Night Football." No There's a dandy on tonight and everything, so. <laughs> Uh, no we'll have question. a dandy tomorrow, Cincinnati, the Battle of yeah. Ohio, Cincinnati, and Cleveland. Of course, yes. a big one tonight uh, with the Bills and the Packer. The Bills Mafia uh, will be uh, front and center. Uh, just a reminder, I'm going to say this a lot in the next 22 minutes. That's how uh, highly I endorse this War of the Worlds coming up on mm-hmm. 760 WJR. Uh, Mike Parsons. Hi, Mike. And Rich Luzinski do a great job putting mm-hmm. that together. Uh, unfortunately, I couldn't be a part of it this year, but I've done it in the past. It's great. Um, DJ Moore, how does a guy <laughs> do what he did at the end of the game and, and oh find a gosh. way to get that open and then, Bill, and then take that penalty? And in case people don't know what yeah. we're talking about, I'll let you fill in the blanks. I mean, it was an unbelievable finish to that game. Right. Yeah, it was a back-and-forth game, Sean. Um, I think there were 10 or 11 or 12 lead changes back and forth, back and forth, back and forth with uh, just before the two minute warning. Um, well, actually, with three minutes left in the game, Carolina scored to go ahead 28, 24. And then just before the two minute warning, um, Damian Bird from the Falcons, you know, gets behind coverage and Mario or no, it, really, he ran most of the, the way. I mean, Mariota hit him with about a 20, 25 yard pass. And he turned on the Jets and scored with two minutes to go to put um to put the Falcons up. And you thought they had it. Then they added a field goal with 36 seconds left to go up 
by eight, okay? Um, to go up by uh, six. No, to go up by six. Yeah. Okay. Carolina gets the ball back, and um, P.J. Walker, the, the Panthers quarterback, Sean, he threw the ball 70 yards. It wasn't a typical, you know, Aaron Rodgers versus the Lions on Thursday after Thanksgiving in 2015. It wasn't that. Uh, DJ Moore got behind, just behind the coverage. The pass was incredible. And it just comes right into his hands. He catches the ball. Tie game, 34-34. He takes his helmet off and celebrates. Who, Sean, Sean, who were we just talking about? Barry Sanders. Maybe DJ Moore should have watched some more of Barry's highlights, right? And he's strutting around. Yeah, you made a great play, but the game isn't over yet, okay? And every team has this in training camp. They go through all the rules all the time. And that rule, what was the game? It was a Cleveland linebacker a few years ago that cost his team the game. Yep. On the last play of the game, he takes his helmet off. They lost the game because of it. And I can't believe any head coach in the NFL doesn't drill that stuff. Because every head coach I've worked with, they did just that. They drilled that stuff. So he takes the um, helmet off, gets a 15-yard personal foul penalty. The extra point is now 48 yards. Eddie Panero. God bless Eddie Panero. Okay? And I'm thinking, you talk about pressure? 48 yards to win the game. Okay? To win the game. And he pulls it just left. Okay. So we go into overtime. The uh, Mariota throws a bomb on their first or second. It was their first possession. Um, The receiver doesn't high point the ball. It gets intercepted. The uh, D back for the Panthers returns it like 50 yards. They're in scoring position. They line up for another field goal. This one was 40 something, maybe. Eddie Panero. Oh. Missed it. Poor I felt Eddie. so bad for that guy. Oh. Yeah. And then on the on the next series, Mariota, who second minutes, if not seconds earlier, thought he just cost his team the game, right? With the interception. They uh they they call a RPO and he doesn't take it around the side, he goes up the middle for about 40, 45 yards. Now they're in field goal range and they win the game with a field goal um, by Young Hoku. Just remarkable. Just remarkable. What a phenomenal. Game. Phenomenal game. And and you know what, yep. Bill, the way you described it, it was funny because the Cowboys Bears game had basically what happened is they showed the end of that game, you know, the, the so called oh, okay. coverage. And and yeah. it DJ Moore just kept running. He just mm-hmm. kept running. And and you can yeah. see you're like, okay, he's mm-hmm. behind them. He's behind. Yep. Oh my yep. gosh, he caught the ball. I mean, it, mm-hmm. it was like you know one of those incredible yeah. endings, and yeah. uh, I couldn't help but think of uh, Des Bryant because, as you well know, Des Bryant taking off his helmet in that playoff game. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Woulda, coulda, shut up. Officials, but... officials missed that one, Sean. Yeah, they. they, <laughs> sure, they Not only did he take his helmet off. He walked out onto the field. You just, you know, yeah, I mean, no, no, you know. oh, just didn't want to call that, but uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The amazing Seattle Seahawks uh, knocked off the Giants tonight, twenty-seven wow. to thirteen. Uh, <laughs> I am, I, my jaw 
is is literally on the floor, Bill. Yeah. I, I I cannot believe. Uh, Giants obviously were off to a, a six and one start. Uh, mm-hmm. The Seahawks were supposed to be one of the worst teams in the National Football yeah. League this year. Uh, Geno Smith, who I, I I think to use the term journeyman would would almost yeah. be disrespectful to journeymen mm-hmm. out there. Uh, this mm-hmm. is a guy that just hasn't been able to stick with many places mm-hmm. after. Uh, you know, being handed the mm-hmm. job in, in in New York, what ten years mm-hmm. ago, uh, Geno Smith continues to star. Mm-hmm. Uh, Kenneth Walker the third continues to star, and mm-hmm. we touched on it last week, but it bears repeating: the job that Pete Carroll has done is yeah. remarkable. It really is, and they they believe now, Sean. Yeah, um, they heard they heard all the naysayers when uh, when Russell Wilson, you know, went to the Broncos and through training camp and this, that, and the other, they believe now. And uh, they're going to be a hard out for any team they play. I think a lot of people are paying attention to what the Rams are doing, not only because our old friend Matthew Stafford Mm -hmm. is there, but because of that draft choice as well. Uh, The Rams fall to three and four. Uh, Boy, the Niners look good, and you touched on it Mm -hmm. in the break. uh, To go get Christian McCaffrey. Bill, Mm -hmm. you know the routine. If that guy can stay healthy, dot, dot, dot. But boy, what a dynamic he brings to that Niners club! I mean, he's a he's an albatross in so many ways. He's just so unusual. Um, he throws for a, a touchdown pass today. He runs for one. He catches one. I think it was the first time since like I don't know 1970 somebody did that. It might have been. We were talking Monday night. Remember Joe Washington mm-hmm. when he was with the Colts had that mm-hmm. great Monday night game where mm-hmm. he scored touchdowns in three or four different ways. But um, yeah, McCaffrey, it, the key is if he can stay healthy. Um, but with that defense, I mean, I'm biased. We're biased when it comes to Matthew. I mean, he didn't have any time on 80% of his pass attempts, I swear. It was like he gets back to take the first read, and instead of reading the receiver, when you more, normally get to read first read, second read, go to the third if necessary, he's reading – you know, Joey Bo- or Bosa coming in to sack him. I mean, it, it was just, it was crazy um, how uh, dominant that that 49er D-line is. And and that D-line's coached by uh, Chris Kassurik, who was with the Lions for a number of years. And you could see, I mean, Chris coached Dominican Sue and Kyle Vandenbosch, Nick Fairley. So you knew Chris was a great D-line coach, and he's showing it now for sure. All right, listen, uh, we're going to take a quick break. We've got a shorter segment than usual so we can get to the WJR presentation of War of the Worlds coming up at 8. But when we come back, we need to talk the prep scene, uh, a fantastic weekend of action. Uh, more to come as well. Don't you go anywhere. He's Bill Keenest. I'm Sean Belegian. This is Gridiron Rap on 760 WJR. Well, it was a fantastic weekend in high school football. I'll get to one that was near and dear to your heart. Uh, nothing uh, for our Holly Broncos to hang their head about. The game heard right here on 760 WJR. Cass Tech knocks off West Bloomfield mm. at West Bloomfield, 38-13. to 13. Uh, They advanced to take on uh, Southfield A&T, a rematch of a game uh, mm. earlier this year, won by Southfield A&T, 58-56, that crazy game. Uh, earlier in the season, but Bill, speaking of uh, rematches, 
our Broncos got a chance to have a rematch with a very good Fenton team once again at Fenton. And Bill, I, I obviously didn't see it, but by all accounts gave Fenton everything they yeah. could handle uh, before falling 29 to 26. Yeah, it was, uh, if you're a impartial observer and saw that game, it was a great high school football game. And, uh, and Fenton was obviously the favorite. We played them earlier in the year and they beat us 38 to six. So <laughs> 38 to six. Um, and they had beaten us 11 straight games, but the approach that, uh, the team took this year is it's not how you make the playoffs. It's if, and we were in and what more could you want? You know, what's better than this? Where would you rather be than right here, right now? Thanks, Marv Levy. And the kids played that way. And we actually went ahead, Sean, um, with about, uh, three and a half minutes to go. Um, and I'm, I'm. I mean, I took my pulse. It was about 194 at the time. <laughs> and I thought, what am I doing? Oh, but you just want to see those kids, you know, succeed because they're such great kids. Um, but Fenton's a good football team. They earned it. Nothing fluky about it. Uh, it came down. We had, they went ahead and then, and then we drove the ball um, inside their 30, but I got stopped on downs and uh, the, uh, everyone associated with the program. I mean, it was gut-wrenching. It was heartbreaking because it could have, would have been Holly's first ever, ever playoff win. So you're on the cusp of history. But um, as I, I mentioned to my son last week, Billy, I said, just think your kids have a chance to make history. And being only the sixth team that ever made the playoffs is historic in some respects. Um, but but the thing that's always gotten me going back forever um, after the last game and you see the the cheer uh, the tears of the seniors and the hugs. And I'm just full of chills right now because there's nothing more genuine, more beautiful than watching those kids. Um, and as my son talked, the one thing he made made a priority is just to look at each other and think of the bond the lifetime bond that you've made during this, this season. And that's true. Um, they have made a lifetime bond. They overcome a lot. They overcame a lot. Nothing was expected of them. Um, but when you work together like they did, things are always possible. So it was, uh, it was quite a night. Well, and it, you know what, Bill, as, as devastated as, you know, perhaps the sophomores and the juniors are mm -hmm. on the team as well, uh, this is a, a great learning experience. No doubt. You, know, you bought into the system. You, mm -hmm. you, you see that it can work, and, and yeah. they're going to be the better for it. I know they don't want to hear that right now. No, but, but that's one of those life lessons looking ahead to next year. It'll be really mm -hmm. fun to see. No question, Sean. And that's the other thing he emphasized. He, he told the other classmen, take a look at these seniors. Their senior year, they get a new coach. Did they have to buy in? No, but they did. And and the the compliment there goes to their families, their well-grounded kids, to the school district to the parents, to their teammates, but those kids bought in. And, uh, and that's why it's so hard uh, when you realize this is it. It's the last game. I mean, it's emotional. I mean, it's one of the most emotional things I've experienced over the years is to, uh, to be close to a team, a high school team, um, and watch the last game, watch the last seconds tick off that clock and know for 90% of those kids, they're never putting a football uniform on again. It's, uh, it's special. 
Well, we're pretty excited out here. Uh, you know, of course. Yes, you are. North Fulham Catholic Central next yeah. week. Uh, wow. We're a little excited about that. My my yeah. daughter actually was like, "Dad, do you want to go to the game?" And I, honey, <laughs> say that one more time because you know normally she's with her friends, and I'm totally yeah. cool with that and oh. everything. But uh, yeah, wow. North Northville and Catholic Central should be a dandy. Catholic Central with a big stand to win that game. Yeah, uh, Bill, uh, it, it's so so special. This time right. of year is so special and. Uh, win or lose it, you know, yeah. these are memories for a lifetime. They really Absolutely. are. Yep. Yeah. No question. Really no looking question. forward to it. Now I heard yeah. a rumor. I was watching the broadcast on, mm-hmm. uh, Bally's and listening to it, of mm-hmm. course, here on 760 WJR. I heard a rumor that that might be the broadcast next Friday. So we'll wait and see. Oh, I mean, wow. Would that be wonderful? <laughs> that, that Novi, uh, Detroit yeah. Catholic central Northville game, uh, wow. Right here on 760 WJR. Oh, that'd be week. fantastic. So, yeah, we'll we'll definitely be listening for that. Uh, of course, two more games to complete this uh, week in the National Football League. The mm-hmm. Packers and the Bills in Buffalo mm-hmm. uh, tonight. And then, of course, the Battle of Ohio, Halloween mm-hmm. night, uh, the Bengals <laughs> and the Browns. So yeah. two darn good games uh, before yeah. we're done uh, with this week. Uh, no mm-hmm. doubt about that. Don't forget War of the Worlds right. is coming up in about five minutes. Yeah. I want to make sure to remind you all, if you if you didn't listen to it before, mm-hmm. such a fantastic job. It really is. So, Sean, I hope our, our listeners know the historical significance of War of the Worlds. What, 1938? Yeah. Yeah. And pe- people thought it was true. Yeah. <laughs> It's, oh, my gosh. Yeah. We got to get out of here for right. Bill Keenest. And thank you, Blake. I'm Sean Belegian. Until next week, take care. Bye-bye.